Hello and welcome back. Oh, it is indeed spooky season, and um, it's an exciting episode, Logan, because not only do we get to talk about the uh, the the finale of House of the Dragon, more pressingly for this week, we get to talk about our second annual Halloween Havoc Horror Showdown. The Deuce. Yes, uh, I'll be honest, I had to go back and listen to the older episodes to figure out what the heck we called this tournament last year. I'm glad you did, because I didn't, and I was just like, How, what, do we, what do we call this thing? Like, I couldn't remember for the life of me. Uh, yeah, so uh, this week, <coughs> as promised, our, our horror Havoc Smackdown is between fictional serial killers. Because we don't condone real-life serial killers, and we will not give them the time of day on this here podcast. And I do believe we have eschewed the supernatural for these endeavors. Yes, there is no one with any superpowers, magical or otherwise, that will be included in this year's list. Why do you sound like Foghorn Leghorn? Because I was doing it intentionally. I say, I say, I say, boy. It's going to be nothing but corn-fed, all-American serial killers today. (laughs) With the exception of Joe Carroll, who I'm pretty sure was British. And Hannibal Lecter, who was Lithuanian. But everyone else, as I quickly scroll through, (laughs) is American. And except for Sweeney Todd, who was also British. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, we will. Uh, we will get to that soon enough. <coughs> I guess we uh, we got some quick housekeeping to take care of. You know, to start a new episode, and I'm gonna beat you to the punch. How was your week, Jacob? Um, it was a long. I'm sorry. It was a long. It was a long, exhausting week. Um, one act competition for my high school students. It's a joyous time of the year to be a drama director, but it uh, it's a lot of long nights, and then the kids competed, and uh, yeah, the kids did great. But it's just uh, takes a lot, takes a lot out, uh, uh, you know, energy wise. So mm. long week, uh, but I, I'll, I'll round it out and say a good week. I uh, got to take my wife on a date to see Black Adam. Um, and, uh, you know, Mike could talk about that a little bit later also. I mean, I, I mean, enjoyed it somewhat. Didn't Certainly didn't hate it. Sure. I, I don't agree with any of the critics who said it was the quote-unquote perhaps the worst movie ever made. Uh, Honestly, we can talk about it real yeah. quick. We, we can talk about it... Yeah, I mean that's fair. Morbius came out this year. Also. It uh, it, it went it went a little hard, harder than something like a Morbius. Let's just let's just do Black Adam real quick. All right, why not Black Adam review? Solid seven. It's an yeah, average movie. Very. I I just thought it was very generic and average. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean bad. It just means, you know, I had fun watching it. It was very. So, you know. I fell asleep at one point. Um. When I woke back up, no problems, pick right back up, you know. Like, oh, another somewhat generic fight. Okay, well, I hope these people who I find less annoying than those people win. And uh, that was, um, I thought it was cool to see, like, we talked about this a little bit. I thought it was cool to see uh, 
the the some of those mythological elements like the rock of Eternia and uh, the rock of finality or whatever it's called um, things that like I, I've known about either from just hearing about them over the years reading reading about occasionally in a comic book or perhaps seeing a, a Wikipedia entry from years ago when mm -hmm. I used to scour Wikipedia to try to beef up on certain characters before I'd watch other movies um I thought it was cool. I thought The Rock sort of played it straight ahead. Um, and it worked, mostly. I think the... It, it was... I thought it was a little underwhelming, but there were elements to it. Like, I wish they had done... I, I left wanting to see more of the Justice Society. I felt like that was the most interesting part of the movie. Yeah. And I feel like they did, you know, to use my favorite phrase, yada yada past the backstories and stuff. I mean, they did kind of circle back a little bit on a few of them. But the one that to me felt the most developed was Hawkman. Mm -hmm. And the one that was most interesting, as I thought it would be, was Dr. Fate. Um, Pierce Brosnan, I mean, he understood his assignment. He showed up and did what he was asked to do. They were the most interesting aspects of the Justice Society. Uh, Adam Smasher and Cyclone, honestly, couldn't care less. They they didn't bring anything to it. Cyclone, other than a weird like, are they are they flirting with each other? But I don't care. Cyclone's visual stuff looked cool. Adam Smasher came across, and it's it's bad because like. That's not at all what this character would be in my mind. But he kind of came across visually as like a comedic giant Deadpool. Um, the mask didn't help. Yeah. I, I mean, and I don't know. There was, like, there was a lot of the movie that it was fine. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that was, like, I, that's fine. I okay. enjoyed the movie. Uh, like, for me, the things I liked, uh, I liked Black Adam. I think we both talked about the fact that in all of his movies, The Rock just kind of comes across as The Rock. But this is the first time in a long time that it actually works for the character. Well, he played it to me more like... Yes, he does come across as The Rock usually, but The Rock is a... Uh, he played it a little bit more like The Rock if The Rock was sad. But, like, it oddly worked. Like, it, I think it was not distractingly bad, and that's why it worked. Mm -hmm. Had he had he tried to do something over the top or something, had he tried to go for, like, the Oscar or something, you know The Rock is one of my favorite movie stars. I don't think we'd be having the same conversation if he overacted in this movie. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we would be talking about how he made a lot of choices. I like The Rock's movies because, much like Keanu Reeves' movies, he knows the lane he's supposed to stick in. He knows his lane, yes. he knows his assignment, and he's really, really good at doing well at that assignment and yes. staying in that lane. Another <clears throat> person who does a good job at that is like, well, you say Keanu Reeves, I agree. Jack Black? Yeah. Like, the people that sticked... Kevin Hart. Yes. The people that know their assignment 
make entertaining movies. Mm-hmm. And it's typically when they try to go too far afield one way or the other, um, or it's like, okay, you did too much. Case in point that I always go back to, there's actually nothing wrong with his performance in this movie, but nobody talks highly of the number 23 starring Jim Carrey. No. And I mean, it's a it's a decent movie. Yeah, there's really nothing... It's a good movie. There's nothing wrong like, with his acting in the movie, but that just, it throws everyone off. Unlike, and, and Jim Carrey can do serious, but unlike, unlike Robin Williams with, uh, what is it, 24-hour photo, yeah. where he was uncomfortably disturbing. And that uh, Christopher Nolan movie with Al Pacino where Robin Williams turned out to be the bad guy. Yes. Yeah. What was that movie called? I don't remember. That was a good movie. But yeah. um, But yeah, no, things I like. I like The Rock's Black Adam. I love the Justice Society, specifically Hawkman and Dr. Fate. Um, It's ridiculous that it's taken this long to get Dr. Fate in a movie, or Hawkman for that matter. I want to see more of the Justice Society. I like the fact that uh, the bad guys are inner gang. I feel like inner gang. Mm-hmm. Inner gang is a very interesting thing in the comics and in the Superman animated series. Uh, their gang, led by Bruno Mannheim, they have very strong ties to Apocalypse and Darkseid. Usually, whenever you see them working with like crazy technology, it's usually been like given to them by Darkseid via like yeah. Dasad or Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert. Look. Glorious Godfrey. <laughs> God rest, God rest his soul. soul. Um, so, uh, if <laughs> if it does eventually tie into the rest of the DCU, we finally have a name for it now. The DCU? <coughs> it, it's been staring us yeah, in the we'll face get, We'll along. get to that news in a moment. But um, I would love to see this. I don't know if it will or not because all of the it, DC is still up in the air at the moment. But I would love to see it tie into like Zack Snyder stuff with like Dark Side and all of that. Um, what else did I enjoy? Uh, even though she was only in it briefly, I liked Amanda Waller. Uh, Viola Davis is a great actress, and she kind of fits really well into this. Yeah. And I, at least in my own head canon, because we don't have anything confirming this on screen, she realized that like. The Suicide Squad, while it does kind of get the job done, isn't always the best thing to do. So she's been working with the Justice Society also. Um, so I'd love to see more of the Justice Society and Amanda Waller's relationship. Yeah, I would love I to love see the fact that an, or, an origin for the Justice Society because yeah. they felt to me very much plucked into the middle of this um, as established characters. Yes, when the movie didn't establish them and. Uh, like if you, which they if, should be because the you, Justice Society was around before the right, Justice League, right? And if and, you watch something, if you watch it like a comic book reader, that mm-hmm. works fine. Yeah, and that it doesn't work quite as well for the people who were just watching the movies. So I do think that there are probably going to be people in this movie that liked those characters but were slightly confused. And I think it would be cool to later see the Justice Society in the past and see mm-hmm. more of that because I'd watch that. Well, it'd be a, it'd be a really interesting because there's a lot of interesting Justice Society uh, teammates. You've got Hawkman that we've seen, Doctor Fate that we've seen, uh, 
uh, Black Canary's mom, the original Black Canary, was a member of the Justice Society. You've got Mr. Midnight, the Sandman, uh, Wildcat. So it's a very interesting team that, if they got the right director, could be a really good like trilogy of movies. It would be cool if there was a uh, crossover event betwixt the uh, some of the like old school, um, old the original Justice Society stuff. I don't know. I don't remember how far that stuff goes back, but uh, like I want to say of the, uh, as far back as like World War One or World War Two. Some of the members of the uh, the team from the Watchmen stuff. That'd be dope. Um, so. Let me ask you, before we talk about what was most assuredly both of our favorite part of this movie, um, on a scale of Henry from Once Upon a Time to Maisie Williams, Arya Stark in Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. how bad was that main kid's acting? Bro. So, like, if Henry from Once Upon a Time is, like, (coughs) one of the worst examples, like, season one Henry. Dude, okay. Versus, like, season one Arya Stark. Anyone who knows me knows I feel a certain type of way about child actors. And I do not want people to think this is me coming across as, like, saying that all child actors are garbage because they're not. But oftentimes, they hire not great child actors and then they don't necessarily give them the best material to work with. Right. And then they try to get the kids to go above and beyond their their actual talent at that moment. Because, like, let's be honest, like, a lot of child actors grow up to be very good actors. Haley Joel Osment, Macaulay Culkin, Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams is honestly old buddy that played uh, Bram Stark. Those are great child actors. Henry from Once Upon a Time, I'm sure he's a wonderful human being. He was a chore to get through all of those scenes in the first couple of seasons, and then the show itself became a chore to get through. Actually, that happened in season two. Um, I would put the main kid, like, if it's a scale of one to ten, that kid is like a five. Honestly, he's like a three and a half, four. Because he's not terrible, but every time he popped up on screen, he annoyed me, mainly because of the way he was written. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't really care. And I'm pretty sure this is the kid that comes like Black Adam Jr. or whatever the hell they call like, Because, you know, Shazam has the Marvel family or whatever in the Shazam family. Black Adam's got his own thing too or whatever. And I'm like, I'm sure that kid's supposed to be the one who's going to become like his mini-me. And I just don't care. I don't care. He wasn't interesting. He came off as annoying. Honestly, he was. he had to have been like 14, 15. He was written like he was seven or eight. Because he was just like, people of conduct, blah, 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 blah. He was very, like, just annoyingly earnest. And I'm like, that's not what kids that age act like at all. Can we can we do better? Like, his like his line should have gotten a, uh, gotten a read through, right? I also laughed because, like, ostensibly when he was like, and he did the, like, symbol or whatever, most of those people shouldn't have probably known what that was. Um, Like, but that that was really, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the kid tried. Yeah. Uh, But I just, it was one of those, it was one instance where I was like, that's a little grating. 
That's a yeah. may, not 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 enough to totally take me out of the movie or anything, but it's a little. I was glad when his final parts of the movie were pretty much wrapped up and I could focus. I on feel it. like he was supposed to be the entry character for the audience. Yeah, but because he was annoying, I just I didn't like it. Did you feel like the? It was a little bit bipolar in that regard. Like it seemed like at times it wanted to focus on him, on times it wanted to focus on the mom, yep. and then at times it would completely leave the mom out for like whole scenes. Yep. And and it, honestly, the mom would have been the more interesting character. I you clearly see that she's like a reincarnation of Black Adam's wife. If I had been a, you know, God forbid, if I had been a, a suit watching this movie, one of my notes would have been. Is there a way that we can edit this to where we're following one of the characters predominantly mm. and it be the mom? Yeah. Like, not, don't cut out a necessary <laughs> stuff with the character Black Adam and don't cut out necessary things for the kid. But if there's a way to be more focused on one through line, make it the mom. That would have been my one editing note. Um, Honestly, out of her whole family, the one, the family member I like the most. Her brother. He was good people. He was funny. And the fact He's that like, he was Don't list- worry, I die by electricity. The fact that he was listening to players Baby uh Baby Come Back, I was like, Yes, sir. Cause I and I love that song. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful song. Spoiler alert, that's the song that I'm gonna put on the Instagram story when I post about this episode. And people are gonna be like, Why in the blue hell is he playing players baby come back? Also, another side note, lead singer of that. Uh, he was that dude Ridge in like either Young and the Restless or Bold and the Beautiful. Nice. So yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, oh, uh, things that I did not like, not because they were necessarily bad, but just because they just didn't work. Uh, while I love Inner Gang in the movie, their boss, who becomes like the devil at one point, Sabak or Shabbat or whatever the fuck they called him, forgettable. Forgettable that CGI felt like, villain. That felt like such an afterthought. Yes. That felt like I was such like, an afterthought. Ugh. When he popped back up, I was like... And then he looked just like the devil. I was yeah, like... I was like oh, I, he had a pentagram on his chest. Yeah. I was like, I don't even... I I barely remember that dude from the beginning of the movie. Like, Yeah, that was weird. Um, I was like, this isn't... Honestly... Weakest it probably would have worked better if Zachary Levi had come in to try to fight Shazam and calm him down because Shazam, not Shazam, but Black Adam wanted to just destroy everything. And then, I don't know, it just, it's a very forgettable villain. I don't remember what the guy's name is. I just remember that he is the last living descendant uh, of that, like, Randy King who was like, yeah. I'm gonna build this crown. And then I'm going to become the devil, and I'm going to unleash my evil hordes on the people of Kondok. I also don't... I also didn't totally... I know what they were going for, but I didn't totally buy it based on what I saw on screen. Mm -hmm. That um, Ted Adam would want to give up his powers right there in that point in the movie. Like... I, I got what he was saying, yeah. but I didn't feel like that story had been totally told. But I will admit that there were moments where I was fighting, losing consciousness, so there might have been a line or two I missed here or there. But I was glad that they didn't linger that for long and he got his powers back to whoop ass in uh, the nick of time. Um, favorite part of the movie <clears throat> would definitely be the after credits clip. 
Yeah. I love the fact... Well, let, let's hold on. We're going to get to that, because the after credits clip is my favorite part of the whole movie. I like that Black Adam's costume is, like, torn and, like, not that great looking throughout the entire movie, but then when he actually becomes yeah. Black Adam... It looks better. Uh, the lightning bolt on his chest is brighter. He's got the gold bands around his like arms and wrists, and like got the gold boots. And I was like, "There it is." Because I was very unimpressed with the costume for the majority of the movie. I was just like, "Eh." It just looks like a burnt version of Sazam's, which I mean, I get that's what they were going for. But then when he's like full blown Black Adam with the cape, I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, more of that, more of that." I was like, "I want to see more of this character now." Uh, but yeah, the after credit clip. But so, it, it leaked, of course, so a lot of people saw it, but like, for anyone who didn't see it, yeah, I mean, basically, it, we, we got the return of Henry Cavill as Superman, um, and, and not just like a headless Superman, like yeah, actual, it's like actually, actual Henry Cavill. Actually, Henry Cavill, he had a line of dialogue and everything, and what's, so, like, and, and it had, it actually had like John Williams theme in minor notes underscoring it, which was kind of cool. Um, and this, of course, is coupled with, uh, to me, more interesting than his little five seconds in the movie. It's coupled with the news that, uh, where Henry Cavill, like, basically announced, like, yeah, I'm back. And it's interesting because in the days since he said that, we got more information. Um, supposedly, he signed on for... Uh, Man of Steel sequel next, Black Adam two, and Justice League two, that we know of. That those are the ones that I keep seeing as the big rumors from multiple people. I can see all three of those happening. Um, that we got some more rumors now about who might possibly direct some of these movies. Um, Zack Snyder himself made an interesting comment where he publicly in a video congratulated Henry Cavill uh, and there was a, a line where he said I can't wait to work with you again in the future it's a generic line but of course everyone who loves Zack Snyder and the Zack Snyder characters that were built by him in this in, in the, the former DCEU obviously people are going to want to take that to mean Zack Snyder's coming back at some point um, but all of that, I think, is tied in with this news that James Gunn and what's the other dude's name? I don't, I don't know the I other guy because he's an executive type. Mm -hmm. Um, but James Gunn and this other guy who's going to be his his partner who handles like all of the executive and legal stuff uh, are the new heads and so the, the new heads of DC live action film and and like animated movies mm -hmm. from Warner Brothers and their co-CEOs of Warner Brother Films and that's where we're getting the official branding of the DCU streamlined effective and uh, I personally if think they need some people to be the official podcast of it um, I know some guys as a hashtag restore the Snyderverse fan I think that at the very least James Gunn is friends with Zack Snyder and what Zack Snyder did will not be disrespected in a James Gunn era at DC mm -hmm. because they're friends they worked on Dawn of the Dead together um, 
They uh, have publicly congratulated each other multiple times on their films. Um, there was a an exchange on Twitter where someone was like, is Zack Snyder a friend? And James Gunn was like, well, considering I always ask his advice before I hire uh, st- stunt choreographers, I would say so. Um, that doesn't prove anything, but I think all these rumbling... We have Henry Cavill back. Um, ben Affleck is back. Ben Affleck is back. At least, at least for Aquaman. But Ben Affleck um, is back at the moment. It's very... And, and I think that, considering this other news, that Matt Reeves has said his Batman stuff, we're not going to see the Batman 2 for at least three years. And there's still the Joker Part 2 with Lady Gaga's mm-hmm. Margo, uh, as Harley Quinn. There's all these other things going on that I think that James Gunn is probably going to be like, you know what? Let's do all of it, but let's include some of those Snyderverse elements that people want to see. That's what I'm hoping. And why not? Because you have HBO Max, which well, is what we've been saying honestly, all along. just do all of it anyway. And, like, you can have the Snyder stuff. You can have the Reeves stuff. You can have Joaquin's Joker universe. And if you... You can have Titans on HBO Max. And, and because... If, DC has had the multiverse for decades, and if you play your cards right, in a couple of years, you can just do Crisis on Infinite Earths. Hell, the CW already did it, and if the CW can do it, and it was actually good, then there's no reason that a multi-billion dollar studio can't do it also and make it even better. And if you're gonna... if, If you do everything, like then I'm back on board. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you're gonna... I will watch your weird Joker sequel. I will watch Matt Reeves's admittedly pretty entertaining and interesting Batman stuff. Also give me the Zack Snyder stuff. I've said since day one, I will watch everything if you're still giving me the stuff that I want. If you're being... Because I am a team player and I will support all of your movies as long as I'm still getting the stuff that I want and I feel like you're not, like, just crapping on me. Crapping on me, yeah. Because guess what? Hell, if I'm still getting the the uh, the Zack Snyder tone of, like, stuff, even though I think it'll be hot garbage, I'll watch the J.J. Abrams' Tanahisi Coates movie. Just so I can be like, yeah, I mean, I don't like it, but we're all on the same team here. I'll watch it. Once again, that movie would be better if it was an icon movie, but guess what? We'll talk about that when that movie comes out, even though I'm positive it's never going to come out. I actually read an article the other day uh, that said that David Zaslav, uh, when he came in to take over uh, at Warner Brothers, he was like... The wording they used was something like, he said, yeah, that like... How did he say it? It was something like, yeah, the Superman lecturing the audience about race thing, that's not happening. <clears throat> and I was like, good. Good. That's not what that is. Um, so Also, I have absolutely no faith in J.J. Abrams to make I. a good movie anymore. Neither do I. I think he's uh, 
I think the I he's, think the wolf. He's the Jeff Collins of the uh, <laughs> yeah. of the big budget blockbuster. We've all like pieced together you know, that J.J. Yeah. Abrams, while he has made good movies, his best movies have been made while he's been pretending to be Steven Spielberg. Yes, Super yeah. Eight, great movie, very Spielberg like. Mm-hmm. Star Wars: The Force Awakens, decent movie, not that great. All the best parts of Lost. I would argue Colton Cuse and Damon Lindelof. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Alias, it's good, but it's alright. Mission Impossible 3, it's better than 2. It's not better than any of the other Mission Impossible True. movies. Damon Lindelof supposedly is writing a Star Wars movie now. I saw that, and I can't wait. Uh, they had to, they had to wait for 10 years to let the heat die off of him because people were so mad at Prometheus for no reason. Oh, you mean the want... best alien movie in years? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that that's a whole other podcast. But um, that Alien Covenant was good too. Mm-hmm. That was a good fucking movie. So um, uh, the only other thing I wanted to say about any of that was we actually found out today that Henry Cavill is not returning for the fourth. He he's already shot the third season of The Witcher. He won't be back for the fourth season. That. Um, when you told me that. And he's being replaced by Liam Hemsworth Bruh. of the Hunger Games fame. Bruh. Um, so if you're a big fan of Gale. No one was a fan of Gale. No. I mean, I like Gale more than Peta, but I wasn't a fan. Uh, Th- when you told me that, my first thought was, I really can't have it all. Well, presumably, and, and, and I mean, I, it could just be that Henry Cavill... Maybe The Witcher is difficult to make, and he's like, I've done it for three years, I don't want to do it anymore, and that's fine. But I almost get the feeling that when he had the meetings with Warner Brothers, they were like, we can get you back in, but we can't wait for you to mm-hmm. film Witcher Season 4 before we do Man of Steel 2. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're in, we need to know that you're in. And I'm assuming that he went to Netflix, and this is all an assumption, that he went to Netflix and asked to be released from that role because his loyalty and first love is to Superman and he's always wanted to go back to it. I also think there there's some truth to the rumors that he'll be in House of the Dragon season yes. two. It could it could and also be that he was he's already been asked to do that. Dude is talented, but there's just no way that you can film an entire season of The Witcher. If he is in that if he is in House of the Dragon and it's a significant role, you can't do the Witcher, House of the Dragon, and Superman all at the same time. There's just no time to do it. I'm personally hoping... Hashtag Henry for Craigan. Yes, me and you have talked about this. I'm hoping he's Craigan Stark. That'd be really cool. Because when they first announced it, I was like, Henry Cavill for Aegon Targaryen, the Conqueror? But then I was like, no, nah, that's too much like him. Is like the, the white hair is too much of the Witcher. But Henry Cavill is Craigan Stark. It would be cooler to. It. it would actually be cooler to see him as a Stark. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, or get, get, or get the beard he, back. Or Robert Baratheon during Robert's Rebellion. That would be that fine. would be dope. But I, I think he's a little too old um, for that now. But yeah, so good things for Henry Cavill. Um, and we winning. Yeah, it's nice. So, um, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see more details about what's coming. I can't wait for some sort of confirmation that we're going to see Batfleck and Henry Cavill together again. Oh. Um, and the the most the only annoying thing about this is Man of Steel came out in 2013. 
more than likely we're not going to get Man of Steel 2 until like the end of 2024, 2025. Did you see... It should not have taken like 12 to 13 years. 13 years for a sequel to Man of Steel. That's that is ridiculous. ridiculous. Um, well, yeah, it was you who told me about... Um, one of the rumors right now is that David Yates, who directed, I think it's like Harry Potter 5, 6, 7, and 8, and then the mm-hmm. Fantastic Beast movies, um, is supposedly being talked to about directing Justice League 2. Yeah, that's the rumor at the moment. So, no, it wasn't just, it was Man of Steel 2. Man of Steel 2. Yeah. Man of Steel 2. All right, so... I like that dude, so you know. Um, all right, so we wanted to talk about House of the Dragon. Real quick, real quick, quick take. Oh, 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 it's, quick take. It's, Forgot it's, all about that. It's my bit. It's my bit. Uh, and if I do it 15 more times, I can justify us having quick take TV shirts. We, we can have L and JQT, not to be confused with Quick Trip. Uh, so, where was it? Hold on. <clears throat> all right. I'm going to give you a choice this, this time around, okay? So, quick... I forgot. Quick... I forgot the name of the bit. Uh, <laughs> quick take. Good lord. Um, so, quick take option number one. What is a song that you associate with someone who is no longer in your life? Whether that's, you know, being whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, they're just no longer around. That's number one. Number two is... If you could go back and experience one moment in pop culture history, what would it be? Which one do you want to do? And then we'll just do the other one next week. Unless I come up with something. Uh, a, a moment in pop culture history or a song that I associate with someone who's no longer in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, for, for this week, I'll go with the song. Alright. And while there are many of these that I could do one that I associate with fond memories and good times is, and and it's a person who's no longer in my life just because of time and circumstance, not because they passed on or because there was a falling out. Mm -hmm. Um, the great, I think that song was called down Baby, are you down, 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 down? Yeah, uh, that by song, the great uh, was Jay, it? Jay Sean. Sean yes. Yeah, um, that song I will always associate uh, from our time uh, when we were in Hamlet in college, and uh, I was I was the ghost of Hamlet's father, uh, King Hamlet. And, Technically, uh, you played Hamlet. Yes. And Prince Hamlet, the star of the show, was our buddy Wade. And uh, he and I spent some time rewriting the lyrics to that. Uh, and he used you to do a, a really funny little Wayne impersonation. Tonight I'm uh, gonna put on a show. Horatio. I, I wanna, wanna see the king lose control. Uh, oh, God. And uh, I... Uh, Shout out to Wade. Yeah, Wade, if you ever hear this, uh, we we miss you, bud. You're a good dude. Good dude. Good people. Real good dude. Um, 
and I hope he's doing well in life. I hope he is married and has some youngins, and and that's that's what I hope for Wade. The last time I heard, he was uh, I think he was apprenticing with a chef in a really fancy restaurant. Good for him. I liked Wade. Wade was Wade was a, a good dude, um, and I know he was um, I know he was like uh. He was always slightly mysterious to me because I didn't know him that well. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed my interactions with him. During the show, he came up to me like right after we were cast. And he was like, he was like, I hope this isn't weird, but I want us to hang out a lot because I want to feel sad every time I see you on stage thinking mm. about you as my dad, you know. Like, so um, we went to lunch a lot, spent, spent a lot of time together. He was really a very nice guy and a good actor. Um, I'll never really good, really good actor. So Wade, if you I'll never forget this, how you had Wade and Ramon come up to me while I was in the lobby of the Gordon Theater Building, and you had them say some like really creepy, mysterious shit to me, and then they just walked away. Yes, I was like, what the? I was like, what do you mean? And because they said something along the lines of, "He is here, but he has not arrived yet," and I'm like, the f- the fuck? What? <laughs> and like anybody who's been in the Gordon like theater, they were both on opposite sides, so they walked up at the same time, said that creepy spooky shit, and then just like walked away and I was like This is weird as shit. But yes, no, shout out to Wade. I think Ramond also listens to the podcast also, so shout out to Ramond. Good man. Ramond, also good people. AKA Scooby. You know. Good dude. Good dude. Yeah. I miss our time at Gordon. There was a there there was a specific period of time at Gordon during 2000 it was 2010 when the final season of Lost was airing mm-hmm. and Hamlet was happening and all that kind of stuff where we had really good times. Yeah. Spoiler alert, uh episode 100 of this podcast is what it's what I'm going to call the uh, origin story. We're just going to tell stories of our time at uh Gordon, and if we can, we should get some of our friends that we met at Gordon to come on here. It should it should just be an episode of like old stories and stuff like that. So yeah, Kirk, Emily, oh, Kirk, yes, Kirk, Emily. Uh, if we could if we could finagle it, Tony Pearson, Tony, and we, and we could finally we could finally get to the bottom of whether <clears throat> or not he fixed fix those flats. flats. Yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, no, uh, no, don't. We're, we're not we're not we're not going to tell the whole story here, but. For context, there's an ongoing mystery about whether or not uh, an assignment we both had for um, our technical director Tony's uh, stagecraft class. It was the final, if I believe. Was actually edited to passing by him the night after we turned it in. Because I'm not going to lie, they were looking rough. And it pissed me off because I was working my ass off and I was trying to make it look good. But it was looking horrendous mm-hmm. because I because you basically had to do like a different texture and I was like well I'm gonna do marble which is it's hard to do well it's not hard to do it's hard to do right and well and I was following the steps and I was just like I'm gonna fail mm-hmm. fail so hard and spoiler alert we didn't but yes we're gonna get to, we're gonna get Tony Pearson on here honestly we should also see if, whenever we get around to episode 100 if we can just 
record episode 100. One, have video, and then Recorded film on the it stage on the stage at, at Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're going to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see him. Yeah, but the student center wasn't there when, like, I mean, it was there, but it wasn't there when we first started going there. What? That was, like, the hangout spot when I got there. Uh, it was the hangout spot when I went back, but that was in, like, 2013. Yeah. Yeah, I saw Skip and Travis there. Shout out to Skip and Travis. Um, so, yeah, a lot of good times there. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Excuse me. It was a ghost. <laughs> Spooky season. We made it to the end of the season. The storm is parting and the dragons are dancing. I would argue that the storm is just starting. Um I'm just I'm just badly misquoting that line about how okay. then the then the skies parted and the dragons danced or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, House of the Dragon ended it ended well. It had a, I think, a really uh, another banger of an episode to go out on. Um, just a that whole. I was stressed out that whole episode. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like um, I, I I loved the just Rhaenyra's whole instantly. Oh gosh, I'm going into labor when she finds mm-hmm. out of the treachery. Um, I also... Let's call it what it is. It's not, it's not just... It's fuckery. Yeah, the... The, <laughs> the fuckery is happening. I liked... I liked that Damon had the same reaction we did, which is like, who poisoned my brother? Dude! That would have been... Okay, so like, if you were Viserys and I was Damon, right? And... Honestly, I feel like that... Viserys and Damon would have been us, but if it had been better. Like, much like how we've said that the relationship between Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr would be us, but we would it would be better because we're not on our bullshit. But it had that been us, and I already didn't trust your wife and her family, I would immediately, if I was there with my wife, and, like, somebody rolled in and they were like, The king is dead! And they crown Aegon as the king. And my wife was supposed to be the next queen. I'd have been like, who killed my boy? Because there's some fuckery happening. And I'll be damned if I'm going to let it stand. I'm like, somebody killed him. First of all, bullshit. Second of all, I need us to uh, make sure everything is secure. Because I know those fuckers going to come for us. And come for them, they did. I'd be like... I looked at uh, Rainus and been like, which he did, like, and you also got some explaining to do. Why didn't you burn them bitches to the ground? Because I know they didn't just let you walk out there with that dragon like that. And I, I, I do, like the fact that he looked at her slightly suspicious, like, bitch, why are you here? I like, I do like, actually, her answer, though, I thought was, was pretty sound, where she was like, I mean, my husband is still, like, not awake. It's literally not my place to declare the side for House Valerian. And there is going to be a war. And I did, like, I think enough of you as a, as my cousin's daughter and as a woman Mm -hmm. who has a chance to be a queen. You know, she didn't say that, but you know that's there. Like, I think enough of you to where 
despite any misgivings I may have about you or lingering questions about if you killed Lanor, mm-hmm. I'm going to come give you this courtesy heads up because I think what they did was whack. However, this isn't my war to start. I actually respect that. Yes. Like, uh, I respected Rainus the whole time, the whole episode. Oh, yeah. And I respected Corliss, too, because... Corliss was a real one in this episode because he has come a long way from yes. what is this brief mortal life, mm-hmm. if not the pursuit of legacy, to the man he is now. Where it's just like, I don't care about any of that. Like, all I care about is my family. And he's ready to just be like, we're not declaring for anybody. We're going to go do our, we're going to go back to Driftmark and do our own thing. And you can tell this is how good of an actor Stephen Toussaint is. Mm-hmm. You can tell when he looks at Jace and Luke. He knows that they're strongs, but those are his grandkids. Yes. And he loves them. He does not love them any less for being yes. bastards. Unlike their great uncle, Vaymond, who was an asshole. God. Like, because you can just tell that. Yeah. In every interaction that Steve Toussaint, or that Corliss Valerian has had with Luke and Jace, he has treated them as his grand grandkids yes. regardless. And he has said multiple times, like, you know... Basically, his whole thing is long after we're dead. Nobody's going to remember anything about what we looked like. They're just going to remember remember our names. And honestly, I think the whole Strong Boys and Valarian relationship is a really well-done story about embracing adopted children into your family. Which is good because we know, mild spoiler alert, we know from Fire and Blood... That Lanor got some ba- other bastard children of his own who were going to come in and be accepted as Valarians. Mm-hmm. So I also think that thematically that's a nice setup. Yes. Like, and I just really like that. And, you know, rather than like just recapping the whole thing, I what I was excited to talk about is the moments in this that yeah. were so powerful. Like, I love the moment that everyone's so angry about where... Damon chokes Rhaenyra. Before we get to that, one of my favorite moments is very early in the episode where Rhaenyra starts going into labor and she basically, like, has, like, the miscarriage or stillbirth or whatever the fuck it was. And, like, she does it all herself. And I didn't think that there'd be anything... That would be as, like, disturbing to watch as the the medieval C-section in the first episode. But then they outdid themselves because they did not shy away from how gruesome it really was. And once it was all said and done, it was very disturbing and I felt genuinely bad for her. I was like, this is terrible. Like, because she just lost her father. So she's just lost her father. Then she gives birth to a stillborn baby. And the maester, they didn't say how far along she was, but the maester was like... She's way too early, like, in her pregnancy to be giving birth. Like, there's no way this should be happening. And she's like, well, it is. Um, And I also love Damon's reaction to it. Because Damon has seen this happen twice before. He saw it happen with Viserys' wife. She had a difficult pregnancy. And she died. Uh, He saw it with, with Lena. She was having a difficult pregnancy. And, I mean, she ultimately decided how she was going to die. But she died also, and he saw her die. He saw Vagar like, engulf her in flames and burn her alive. So there is a lot of trauma that is associated with, like, women that he knows and genuinely cares about 
dying in childbirth mm-hmm. and the maesters and other people are like yo do you want to go see your wife and he knows that there's nothing he can do for her in that moment because he does not want to be given the choice of do you want to save the child or your wife so he does what he knows he can do which is basically getting everything ready for the war that he knows is coming mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of people come down on him for, like, not being there for her. But he's like, there's literally nothing he can do. And there's no time for There's no time for it. And there's nothing he can do. Because, like, it'd be one thing if, like, Viserys had died and they were like, oh, let Rhaenyra know because we're going to name her queen. Then, yeah, he could have been there. But they didn't. They usurped the throne. And more than likely, and he's right to assume this, they're on their way to kill them. Right, and in, in, in another dimension to add to that idea that they're coming to kill him is, look, I, I think a lot of people that haven't read the books in particular don't understand this, but, like, it is well established even in the show, maybe not in House of the Dragon so far, but it, it, even though I think it is, um, Dragonstone is very close to King's Landing. Yes. It's just across Blackwater Bay. Mm-hmm. So this is not like jetpacking to get over there. No, like it, it is a very is, quick trip. Uh, by Dragon... You, same day. Yes, you'd be there the same day. Uh, probably pretty quick. It'd be like taking a 747 yeah. like one state it's, over. It's a, it's a flight from Atlanta to Memphis. Yes. Like, so, and by ship, a day. Yeah. So... They're, they don't have they, the time they to don't be know exact, sentimental. They don't know exactly when this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. They know that it was at least a dragon's flight ago. Yeah. So they've got to get into action. And I think that... I assume when Rainus shows up, it's the same day. Oh, absolutely. I think it's probably an hour and a half later. Yeah. Like, and so I don't think that... The thought never crossed my mind that Damon was being insensitive by not being No. There. I think that... He was doing what he knew he had to do. Yeah. He was protecting her, Right. He was protecting her. He was protecting protecting not only her, but he was protecting his kids. Yes. Which, I also like the fact that you don't question that Damon genuinely loves Luke and Jace. Right. And uh, Joffrey. And, so, like, speaking of Damon, like, I feel like, I feel like as someone who has pointed this out, who has been very consistent about Damon. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I'm definitely qualified as a fan to say this. Okay. When Damon chokes Rhaenyra, when she says, when she mentions the Song of Ice and Fire, and he doesn't know what that is, in that moment, Damon is upset because he realizes that this was vital information that his brother, who he always loved and looked up to and trusted, Mm -hmm. did not share that with him at any point when he was the heir. Yep. And he feels hurt by that, coupled with the fact that he's super stressed out and just lost his brother. Mm-hmm. And in and he does not handle that as well as he would have had he not been under so much stress. Yes. And so it's you just also an need to take into, thing, You also need to take into account but, that he watched his brother be ruled by alleged like prophecies yes. and nonsense and he for says years that. and it made him yes. an ineffectual Abs- king absolutely and he does not want to see the same yes. thing happen to Rhaenyra absolutely. because for yeah. all of Damon's faults he does love her yes and he's, he probably loves her more than he's loved any woman that he's and, ever been and, with and he says he says that he, sa- he says you know I saw 
what dreams and prophecies did to my mm-hmm. brother, and we're not about to do this on the eve of a war. No. But, like, at the same time... I also love his line of, visions didn't make us kings, dragons did. Yes. The show continues to be written excellently. Mm-hmm. But, like, of course, if you... For me, Damon is my favorite character, mm-hmm. but Damon has been doing questionable and problematic things the whole time because yes. he's not like a quote-unquote Jon Snow hero. That's yeah. not who Damon well, is. Well, Damon is my favorite character also, and he killed his it's first It's easy wife. for him to be my favorite <laughs> character, right? Bashed her head in after just, although he was going to leave her there just paralyzed, and then she was like, I knew you could, you didn't have it in you, and then he bashed her head in. Um, so, you couldn't finish. So, she brought that on herself. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. But, um, oh God, where I was like, oh, you know, like, I, I accept Damon for who he is because unlike a lot of people on that show, he is honest about who he is. He does not have any airs about him. Damon is who he is always, but he's a loud, well, not really loud. He is a brash, outspoken individual who speaks his mind and is quick to action. But also, when I accept the fact that none of the people in this show are good people, and I'm just choosing my favorite terrible person, it's very easy for Damon to be my favorite because he's the most entertaining out of all of them. Um, so, to me, I'm like, Damon is just being who Damon has always been. It's why I didn't get upset when Stannis Baratheon burned Shireen in, what was that, season six? Because Stannis Baratheon had been burning people since the day we met him in the first episode of season two. Right. The only the only reason you're upset, and it's and this also can be applied to Daenerys Targaryen, is that he's hurting people you care about. Right. Because you didn't care when Stannis was out here burning his like wife's brother and cousin and stuff and like burning people and threatening like you, you kind of care when he was threatening well, to kill Sir Davos yeah it doesn't matter though he's still burning people he was burning people from day one so the fact that he was just burning his daughter I was like yeah but this is who he is you knew who he was from the very beginning you just didn't care mm-hmm. because you didn't care about any of those people it's the same as Tyrion telling John like Daenerys burned hundreds of thousands of people and we didn't care because they were our enemies. Crucified the masters and no one went because they were bad people. Exactly. But now she's doing it and like and it's problematic because like it because these are people that we care about. Like people need to accept the fact that people are usually okay with a little bit of violence when it's towards people we don't care about and we don't like. And that's been my whole thing about the show. I'm like, I'm honest and, about it. And I like uh, it when the characters I like do bad things to the people I don't and, like. And that's there's a social commentary to be had there. Because, exactly. Because typically um, Americans are not interested uh, in the various genocides going on in Africa. Very true. But if it were to be happening in Europe, they'd be very concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like... You know, you know, that's just how it is. I will go so far as to say the only reason a lot of people care about what's going on in the Ukraine is because it's Russia doing it. 
Yeah. And we don't like Russia. Yeah. That's the main reason people are like, this is terrible. The Russians are horrible people. Oh, if the Russians were allies, Ukraine would be a uh, a rebel state or yes. something that had that had threatened Russian sovereignty. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all I'm saying fun. is, yeah. whether it's right or wrong, just be honest with yourself and to other people. Be honest about your, you know, about your favoritism be and your bullshit. about you, doo-doo. doo Levi's listening to this he's laughing his ass off right now but so Damon choking Rhaenyra I'm like yeah but this is who he is and kind of like last year when we went to Medieval Times for my birthday and we got sat in the Green Knight section and we were cheering for the Green Knight the entire time and then we caught whiff that he had a whiff of treachery about him by that point we we were in too deep so I looked at Travis and you, and I was like, "It's time to double down on the villainy." I'm like, I didn't like him anymore. "Well, the fair." If you well, didn't I mean, hear he Savannah, was a, he was a chauvinistic, misogynistic asshole. But at that point, so it was course, a competition. So, so I was of course, like, the lady that was with us was like, "I yeah. don't like him anymore." And I want to say our friend Mary was there too, and she was like, "No," and I was like, "Fuck it, it is what it is." I was like, "I'm in the Green Knight section. I got to cheer for this son of a bitch." And I feel the way about Damon. I'm on Team Black, so I so, would cheer for him. It's about time to take our break. When we come back, things I want to talk about to wrap up our discussion, I definitely want to talk about whichever one of the twins it is. Uh, Lou. No. No, no, the twins. No, sir. Is it Eric or Arik? Which one? That is... Uh, Eric. Eric, who shows up with Viserys' crown. That real was one. real. Um, and then I want to talk about... Uh, I want to circle back to Corliss just for a minute. Mm-hmm. And then I want to talk, of course, about that big ending. Uh, and, and and about the, the mission we didn't see, which is where uh, Jaceris went. Um, and what I'm looking forward to next season. Then, the moment you've all been waiting for. The Halloween Horror Havoc Smackdown Showdown. Serial Killer Slasher Showdown. Volume 2. But first... A word from our sponsor, Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. I was going to say Starship. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm glad I did not start singing what I was going to say. not going to end well. We are back with a surprise opening. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, we're back. Um, um. just one of those times in the studio where we actually have something to do when we're done recording. So, uh, diving back in and making sure we meet our arbitrary deadline we set for ourselves. Indeed. Um, so, continuing our discussion of House of the Dragon, um, I really thought it was cool when Sir Eric showed up and he was like, Though all men may be false, including my identical twin brother, I am Leal. And he kneeled, and he uh, he he gave the uh, the crown of Viserys to Rhaenyra. I thought that was a very touching moment. I also thought that was a really touching moment when everyone kneeled or whatever. Um, except for Rhaenys. Except for Rhaenys, which I respected. Mm-hmm. Um, because... She actually, politically speaking, couldn't kneel in that moment because what if her husband woke up and was like, 
No. For the greens! Um, and she's like, we can't. I've already pledged to Rhaenyra Targaryen. Not like, lie. okay, John. If, <laughs> if, uh, if Corliss had woken up and been like, for the greens, I'd have been like, kill him. <laughs> right. We're not doing this, playboy. No, he, he's leal and real like I knew he would be. <laughs> um... He's and lean and clean and down for his queen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like that moment. Um, I really enjoyed a, a good bit of that that middle portion of the episode. Um, let let's just let's just the the that whole ending sequence. Let's start. I've called. I, okay, so Jaceris and Lucerus are sent. Um, on missions um, to secure support, shore up support. Uh, find out who real. Find out who is real and leal for Rhaenyra, okay? Um, and find out who's ready to ride or who needs to die. Right. So, obviously, let's go ahead and talk about Lucerus's ill-fated journey um, to Storm's End. Uh, I, can we all just the sweet, agree? The sweet, sweet boy. Uh, I love the scene. He's always been the kid who's like, he didn't want to rule Driftmark. He doesn't want his friends and family to die. I'm a bastard. He, he's he's always been worried about being a bad... He, like, he's a good kid. And, like, I want to point out that Rhaenyra is a... <coughs> like, even though I would have been a little leery, you know, of sending my son out, like, I think Rhaenyra is a good mom here in this moment where she ba- he basically is unsure of himself and she's like, look, I wasn't ready for this either when I was chosen to be the heir, but mm-hmm. this is just all part of the process. And like, you're gonna do you're gonna do fine. Technically, like Boris Baratheon is related to you distantly, and he's not gonna let anything happen to you like in that castle, which is true. Yes. As annoying as he was, Boris did not allow anything to happen to Lucerus. Um, and so, like... That illiterate bastard. When, when, um, like, when Lucerus arrives, and, like, that is such a gorgeous shot of Vagar sort of, like, shaking off, like, some of the rain or whatever, and, like, it reminded me of, like, John looking at, um, Dro- uh, Drogon... Uh, in the final episode of Game of Thrones, shaking off the snow or whatever, when he's walking up to see Daenerys, and like, let me, let me tell you a little something. Okay, I am by no means a bitch chef. I'm no bit. I ain't no bitch chef. <laughs> but, but let uh, me tell you, had my black ass flown on my basically teenage dragon, beautiful little dragon, God rest Eric's soul. That was a beautiful <clears throat> But had I flown there in the midst of the storm, a storm that is much like the one that Daenerys Targaryen would be born in centuries later, to a place called Storm's End. Mm, the storm to end all storms, as they say. But had I flown there and I landed, and as soon as I step off my dragon, I'd seen Vagar's big, beefy... More mongering ass just off in the distance. 
my black ass would have been like, my mother will understand, but I'm flying back to Dragonstone, and we gonna send them ravens. Pump the brakes, put it in reverse, we live to uh, be burnt another day. Exactly. Because that means, if that dragon is here, that means my slightly unhinged uncle, who probably still got a hard-on for the fact that I am the one who cut out his eyeball. He probably here too. And I don't want that dragon smoke, as they say. So I'm going to leave, and we're going to send some letters that his illiterate ass probably not going to be able to read. Um, turns out, Boris is uh, he about needs his, phonics. He's illiterate and about as false as I knew he would be. Um, real, you know, what have you done for me lately mentality. Um, true story. I would like him a little bit more if he had just been like, technically, I'm related to both of y'all. He looks so I'm yeah. staying out of this until y'all figure your shit out. He looks a lot like. Uh, Although to be fair, he could have done that because Vagar was parked right outside his house. You could tell he's uh, <coughs> he related to Bobby B, a distant relative of Bobby B, because uh, yeah, he looks like the type to be to look at his uh, his squire and be like. Lancel Lannister. Gods, what a stupid name. He looks like the type to call somebody's mom a fat whore. Yeah, I I really like how these characters that we're seeing are distant relatives of characters we really care about from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Like, Alicent is a distant relative of, like, Marjorie, Marjorie. you know, uh, Tyrell. And. I know you weren't about to call her Marjorie Hightower. And we know, um, of course, we know Damon and Rhaenyra, their union is what eventually produces Daenerys um, and John. Spoilers. Um and but I thought one one thing I I li- I really liked about that sequence is they they kept the like sapphire eye from the book. Yes. That was so creepy and cool. it looked dope. Um although I've seen a bunch of people be like could Aemon be the Night King? No. I'm like no cuz the Night King had already been made by this point. What the fuck? I've seen people say the same thing about Damon also. And I'm like, damn it, now we're going to have to go back and do that Long Night prequel after all so people ain't confused. I mean, people Uh, would be confused if they just watched a damn Game of Thrones and comprehended shit. um, So, I I like the twist from the book that Mm -hmm. they gave us at the end of this episode. Because in the book... It pretty much plays out the same way. There is a conflict there. Um, Luke does make it outside, but in the book, one of the serving girls teases Eamon, like, you're just going to let him get away with it? It's Boros' daughter. Uh, Boros' daughter, yes. Like, you're just going to let him get away with it? And so Eamon's like, no, I'm going to kill him. She Uh, says some, like, hot bullshit, like, I'm glad you didn't make a marriage pact betwixt us because I prefer my man to have balls. Be like... Oh, you a messy bitch. Okay, but um, but so that you know that that's obviously not what happens. But like, uh, the way it happens in the show is it's like Amond decides, uh, ostensibly that he's just gonna chase his nephew off. He's just gonna scare him off. He reneged on his bullshit about like it was a fair fight, mother. I lost an eye but gained a dragon, and now he wants to be a little petty bitch and be like, you owe me an eye. 
Right. And but once they're on the dragons, clearly I think Eamon's, Eamon's goal is... Uh, he's trying to scare the, the piss out of yes. Luke. But... Amond, as we know from the last shot, Amond is not, He's not intentionally trying, trying to, to kill, kill him. No. And so, because keep in mind, this is still a young man. This He's is still, 16. Yeah. This is still some, this, that is still his, his nephew who he was, or his uncle, who he was. It's his nephew. Like, yes, yeah. That's still his nephew who he was raised with. Mm-hmm. Like, and you and see he, in the early episodes, like, yes, he was picked on. They did have somewhat of a nice relationship with each other, though. Maybe more so like Luke, Jason, Aegon. Yeah. But they were at least kind towards each other. Mm-hmm. Enough to where, like, Viserys and all his delirium was like, Look, Laris. Uh, not Laris. Look, Lionel. The children are playing together. Like, it's not until their parents start bickering that there's a real issue there. So at one point, there w- it might not have been, like, the greatest love, but there was love amongst them. But the moment in which things took a turn for the worst, of course, is Arax is... Arax is a teenager. Is And he's frightened mm-hmm. of Vagar, and he does what any frightened animal would do. He lashes out. And he came in with that weak little blip of fire. Twould have been enough to kill a grown man, but not a... But not enough... 300-year-old fucking It was dragon. like a scratch on Vagar. If that. It and was more like an ant bite. You know like, Vagar was like, What is this young whippersnapper coming in here with this weak-ass shit? Vagar, and I've seen the memes, Vagar was like... Oh, uh, who, was, who was Vagar's dragon rider? Was it, uh... It's one of Aegon's sisters, I don't remember. But it's like, it's the Dornish, I need to kill them! Because let us not forget that Vagar, and I want to say it was Visenya, Vagar was Visenya's dragon, and Vagar was used to, like, attack the Dornish during the conquest. So, Vagar's probably having some, like, Vietnam-level flashbacks yeah. of the Dornish. Like, oh god, we gotta kill the Dornish, Visenya! And Vagar did what wartime dragons do. And she annihilated her enemy. And I, I and I like how um, Luke, up until the, the last moment, and Amond were both shouting at their dragons, like, you know, serve me, serve me, obey. And it goes back to that early episode where Viserys is like, our control of the dragons is an illusion. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yes, there's a connection between the dragon and the rider, but, like, ultimately... It is foolish for people to think they're in the control of these yeah. these animals. The books do a good like, job of showing that too, because in uh, the a, a the a dance with dragons, God, these names. Uh, Danny is stuck in like the wilderness, and she's trying to get Drogon to do something, and Drogon just snaps, and like Drogon almost like kills Danny multiple times in mm-hmm. that book, and it just goes to show that like yeah, like. You might think of these dragons as your children, but at the end of the day, they are wild animals who have a mind of their own and they're the most powerful force on this earth. And they let you ride them and take care of them and control them up until they don't want to. Anymore. Just like horses or, yes. or, you know, like uh, 
to people that work with large cats, like mm-hmm. Siegfried and Roy, when when uh, one of the tigers, you know, yep. act, uh, they say now accidentally, uh, but 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 you can't control them is the point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, um, uh, how many times had Steve Irwin interacted with stingrays? Many many times in his life, they had got a half hour's worth of footage around that stingray before that stingray killed Steve Irwin. Mm-hmm. You can't control wild animals, nope. even if you have some sort of bond. Or con- Timothy Treadwell, the guy that gets made fun of for living amongst the bears and then getting eaten, his confidence comes from being around those bears for a long time. He thought he knew them, and he underestimated nature. He thought that they just assumed he was one of them. But they, at best, tolerated him as a mild curiosity when they weren't hungry. Mm-hmm. When they were hungry and he was in the way, they ate him. Yep. And his girlfriend. Who was but, even dumber than God rest that, her soul. that bastard was but, like, run! And she um, stayed. But, uh, God rest their soul. That's horrible. But, um... Especially when you hear about what the bears did afterwards. Yeah, it was, it was dark. <laughs> it was very Hannibal-esque. Um, well, it wouldn't be me. Bears are sadistic. Oh, yeah. Um, but cute. Um, Alright, so, uh... House of the Dragon, I think... you know, the, the, the final sequence, of course, when Rhaenyra finds out the look on her face, which is now a meme, of course... It uh, nothing. It's, like... it, it, it's reminiscent of that look that we get when Masande is uh, beheaded in the penultimate episode of uh, Game of Thrones. Where you and just the know look that Danny gives right before she burns King's Landing to the, the ground. ground, right? Um, <coughs> and look, I she think... fulfilled her daddy's dying wish. She burned them all. We're in agreement here as members of Team Black that, uh, especially on the show, members of Team Black. Uh, we're in agreement with most of the internet and when we say let the war crimes commence. We oh, the war it. crimes coming and I will have I, I, when they happen I will have bent the knee sword in hand and be like yes my queen. They brought all this on themselves. I am fully on board with the crimes you about to commit and I don't care. Let's see it through till the end. Absolutely. So, and even though it makes me sick to my stomach, the blood and cheese thing—that's probably going to be in the first episode of season two. Necessary. They they struck the first blow. Mm-hmm. So, as far as I'm concerned, everybody on the green side, whether they be innocent or not, it's Eamon's fault. Agreed. So, um. Also, uh, real quick, I like the fact that Renera was very calm, and she she did not want to go full blown on the offensive and come and yes. start the war. Yes, until Amen killed her son. Yeah, and you can now argue that because, much like Rainus was saying, she's the only one showing restraint. She is justifiable in starting. Yes, the war now. yes, and she was her father's daughter. And he was known as Viserys the Peaceful because he kept the realm together. Mm -hmm. And that she knew that was what her father wanted. Yep. And she was going to do everything 
possible, including, including, I think, considering surrendering. Yep. If, that's why she wanted to take the night to think about all of her options. Because I think, had her son not gotten killed, and had Corliss not sided with her, Mm -hmm. she might have surrendered for the good of the realm. Yeah. And I also think that Alicent and Egon would not have killed her or her children. I think they would have made good on their deal. Now, Otto might have tried to have them off. And we oh, had Otto to... would have tried to commit someone. More fuckery. Someone would have had to deal with Otto. And Laris probably tried to, would have tried to commit fuckery also. That disgusting I can't bastard. wait for him. Uh, hopefully we don't get any more of his only feet proclivities next, next year. Or two years from now. Yeah, House of the Dragon returns 2024. I'm going to go out and say it. House of the Dragon season one, 10 out of 10. It was excellent. Uh, it was as it was at least as entertaining as Game of Thrones season one. Mm-hmm. There are aspects of Game of Thrones I like a little better. But man, it was great television. So, if you've been on the fence about it because you were one of the people that maybe didn't love the end of Game of Thrones, I'm telling you, you got to check out House of the Dragon. Uh it really, it really puts the hot in hot D. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you thought we were going to make it through one without me calling it hot D. <laughs> Never. If you um, enjoyed your rings of power, but you need something that got a little more, je ne sais quoi. House of the Dragon, it's for you. Trade in the rope for the hot D. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. The rope. <laughs> oh, oh, my Lord. God. Uh, they do this to themselves. Okay. Uh, so... The moment we've all been waiting for. We've been waiting. All right. So this Late year. with me, my brother. What is round one? Round First of all, fictional serial killer showdown. I'm going to run through the contestants, starting with the first all the way to the 20th seed. Number one, with 141 confirmed kills, Dexter Morgan from okay. Dexter. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I can't get into that show to save my life. Me Number two, with a hundred, even hundred kills, Joe Carroll from the following. Now, to be fair, uh, he did not kill 100 people himself, but we are counting deaths that they facilitated or orchestrated. So, Joe Carroll, number two. Number three, one second, at 72 kills, Hannibal Lecter. And we're going with Hannibal Lecter from the TV show Hannibal because that's my favorite version of the character. Um, if you don't like that, oh well. Uh, number four. No, because then, like, because like technically Hannibal from the TV show is slightly different from Hannibal from the movies and the books because uh, I, I, it, it's a whole thing. Uh, number four, uh, Detective Mark Hoffman from the Saw franchise, thirty kills. Number five. Francois Dollarhide, the man that scares me <laughs> to no end. If you listen to, like, not last week, but the weeks before that, you know how much the man terrifies me. At eight, 18 kills, Francois Dollarhide. That was number five. Number six, <laughs> less kills. Less kills. Equally as insane. Played by the great Christian Bale, Patrick Bateman. That's right. From- yes, it is, Paul. <laughs> Uh, what number was that? Number eight, six. Number seven. Our good friend, our boy, 
who is just out here trying to find somebody that can connect with him mentally and physically who loves literature like he does from the hit Netflix TV series You with a with 10 confirmed kills Joe Goldberg Joey Gold Oh, God, that man is problematic, and I hope he dies before it's all said and done. <laughs> Number eight, with another ten kills. Okay, real quick, before we get... Before, a lot of these people are going to have the same number of kills once we get to the lower levels. And to determine which seed they belong to, I decided that we take into account how difficult it would be for them to kill those people. So, like, Joe Goldberg... Uh, he lives in the modern day. It's a lot more difficult to kill somebody in the modern day than, like, you know, some of the people who also have 10 kills, like, on the lower end. Because there, no, there were no forensics and shit when Sweeney Todd was out here. At last, his arm is complete again, seeking his vengeance because no man could assuage him or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, that if, if they've got the same number of kills but they're higher up on the list... That's because, in my opinion, it's more difficult to kill people in the 21st century with modern technology. Your phone tracks you everywhere you go. We can find out hair follicles and shit like that. So, uh, number eight with ten kills, and we're going with the TV version from Bates Motel, Norman Bates. Freddie Highmore. I can't look at Freddie Highmore the same way. Uh, with another... 10 kills, number 9, the mastermind behind the first Scream movie, no, not Billy Luma, Roman Bridger, because it was me, Sydney, it was me all along, I am the architect of all your pain and suffering, her half-brother, Roman Bridger, played by the great Chris O'Donnell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that guy's name. That's a deep cut joke from this podcast. If you listen to every episode, <laughs> uh, number ten with ten kills, Sweeney Todd. We're going with the movie version, and I I didn't want to watch the movie again, so I had to go to YouTube to do the kill official kill count thing. They confirmed ten kills, although eleven total on screen deaths with Sweeney being the last one. So yeah, Sweeney Todd. Uh, now, the number 11, it's complicated. It's going to be, it's anywhere between 6 to 8 kills because there's no definitive answer on whether he killed two people or not. But Mickey Altieri from Scream 2, played by the great Josh Demel? Timothy Oliphant. Timothy, bro, they look exactly the same. <laughs> you gonna tell me they don't? They look pretty similar. Bro, they swapped places on the holiday Christmas cards and sent them and sent the the photos to their moms. Their moms couldn't tell the difference. So if their mothers who birthed them, hopefully nowhere near as graphic as Rhaenyra Targaryens, can't tell the difference, I shouldn't be expected to either. But that's number eleven, Mickey Altieri. Number twelve with seven kills. And probably the worst Scream movie, played by Emma Roberts, Jill Roberts. They got real creative with those names, didn't they? Uh, let's see, number 13, with seven kills, from the movie Seven, played by nobody's boy, Kevon Spacey, John Doe. That's all we're going to say about that, John Doe. Uh, number 15... From Scream 5, with 5 kills, Amber Freeman. She was very unimpressive, I'm not going to lie. Uh, number 15, 
with five kills, and I had to get this one from you because I couldn't find a definitive answer anywhere. Buffalo Bill from the movie Silence of the Lambs, played by Detective Brian O'Connor's uh, commanding officer from Fast and Furious, Ted Levine. That man did not get work James for a while. Gum. That man didn't get work for a while. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, number, that was number 15. Number 16. Ooh. From Scream 4, with four kills. My least favorite of all the scree of all the ghost face killers. Because he could have stopped killing because he won. Because Hayden Panettiere's character of Kirby was in love with him. And he was like, it doesn't matter because you're only paying attention to me now. Bitch made. Charlie Walker. Nobody cares. Fuck him. I hate his guts. Number 17. With four kills. Billy Loomis. Played by the great Skeet Ulrich who made his return in Scream 5 as not really a ghost, but a figment of his daughter's imagination. Made no sense, but fuck it. Uh, number 18. With one to three kills, because she teamed up with Nikki, Mickey, whatever the fuck his name is, Debbie Loomis. Debbie Loomis. Uh, number, what was that? 18. Number 19. Three kills. Played by the great Matthew Lillard. Stumacher. Gotta love Stu. And number 20. And technically, he does not even meet the criteria of being a serial killer because he did not kill at least three people. But I'm putting him on here because it's a team event in the Scream movies. Richie Kirsch. Played by... Fucking Jack Quaid, son of Dennis Quaid, star of Amazon Prime's The Boys, Huey. Yeah, so, uh, <clears throat> so let's get down to business, shall we? Uh, the first round, we've got the number seventeen seed going up against the number sixteen seed with Billy Loomis going up against Charlie Walker. I'm gonna go with Billy Loomis. On Definitely this Billy Loomis. A lot of these is gonna be real easy. There's mm -hmm. not gonna be any need to deliberate mm -hmm. like we did last year because yeah. we've got to take into account superpowers. Um, Billy Loomis, child of the '90s, uh, looked way more jacked than Charlie. Um, also, I Charlie he he just seemed a little weak. He seemed weak. It uh, Jill was clearly the the driving force behind that operation. She had the spine and the balls. Uh, so we're going to go with... We're, we're, we're going to bring it Billy Loomis? Yes. Okay. Next up, John Doe, the number 13 seed, John Doe from 7, going up against Richie Kirsch with his one kill. Um, I'm going... Once again, we gonna, this is going to be real easy. John, John Doe. Also... Uh, for those who haven't seen the movie, we're going to spoil it right now. Uh, the seventh murder was technically his own that he orchestrated because Brad Pitt straight shot him in the head. Because John Doe killed Brad Pitt's wife, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, and, and put her head in a fucking box. So, yeah. Alright, next up. The number 14 going against the... Number 19 going up against number 14. Number 19... Our boy Stu Mocker going up against Amber Freeman. Now, technically, Amber got more murders under her belt than Stu. 
also, oh, now, to be fair, both, I would argue, very mentally unstable. So, um, I would argue that Amber was more, a more successful killer. Yes. I think Stu is stronger. Physically, yes. I think Amber is smarter. Yes. I think Amber outsmarts Stu. Yes. And she does not beat him with sheer strength. But much like how she killed Dewey, she she outsmarts him and she kills Stu. Not gonna lie, that's probably gonna be an upset for a lot of people. A lot of people probably out there like Stu is gonna take the whole thing. I was like, I promise you, Stu was never gonna take the whole thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next up in the first round, because these are basically the qualifiers to get into the main competition. Uh, next up in the final qualifier match, we got number fifteen, Buffalo Bill. Going up against Debbie Loomis. I'm going with Buffalo Bill. Yeah, I'm going to go with since Buffalo Bill almost got the jump on and beat Christine. <laughs> Clarice, yeah. Why was I thinking Phantom of the Opera? That doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> but oh, almost put Phantom on here. True. Because the Phantom True. was True. indeed a serial. He kills Joseph Bouquet, the Lord of the Flies. Pretty sure he uh, killed Pianji. He killed Pianji because he swapped places with him. Uh, does he actually kill anybody else? Mm. It doesn't matter. We've Off got, the dome, I can't We've got fucking that. Richie on here, and Richie only killed one person, it's so fuck that it. idiot, Raul. I will kill that drunken fool. Technically, if we take Love Never Dies into it, even though he didn't orchestrate it, it is his fault that Christine got shot and murdered. It's true. Uh, but yeah, Buffalo Bill, Debbie Loomis, we're giving it to Buffalo Bill. Okay, so... Now, we're in the main actual bracket. We've got, in the first actual round, Dexter Morgan with 141 kills going up against Billy Loomis. Uh, I'm going to go with Dexter. 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 Um, He's very smart. He's also a cop. He's good at covering his tracks. And Dexter specializes in killing other serial killers. Yeah, so Billy would so, be on his radar. Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie to you. I've, Dexter might make it to the finals. Dexter would have been an interesting addition to a season of Hannibal. Um, Ooh, as long yeah. as it ended with Hannibal outsmarting him, which he would. Yes. I don't think Hannibal would have killed Dexter, but I do think he, he would have been, he would have escaped. Yeah. Although, I think Will Graham probably would have just busted Dexter out. Yes. Because this is my design. Next up. Uh, Roman Bridger versus Norman Bates. Ten kills apiece. Um, I think Norman Bates wins that because Roman Bridger would never suspect Norman Bates was out here cross-dressing and killing people. <laughs> Fair. Like, most of the people Fair. that Norman Bates kills are caught completely off guard. That is true, including De- Detective Sheriff Alex Ramirez. Romero, but yes. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched that show in years. I need to go back and rewatch it. Good show. But, uh, yeah. Allison Tytower's in it. Yes, she is. Before she became real problematic. You know, it, honestly, just because this version of Norman lives in the modern day, and he lives in a more advanced time than Roman, I don't see Roman. Roman is. He's probably smarter than Norman, but like you said, nobody's going to expect suspect Norman of just being out here cross-dressing as his mother killing folk. 
honestly, Roman probably checks in, gets into some freaky freaky with somebody, and Norman sees that, turns into mother and kills him. <laughs> yeah. Because that boy was stunted emotionally. And probably sexually. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, never forget his teacher took advantage of him. So, uh, <laughs> no wonder everyone's losing their minds, Mother. There's so many terrible things to think about. Oh, if she was a good mother, she'd have done the right thing and put a bullet in his head. <laughs> I said it, and I don't take it back. Uh, but yeah, Norman Bates wins that one. Next up, 18 kills, Francis Dollarhide, the Tooth Fairy himself, going up against Jill Roberts. Um, oh, <laughs> The Great Red Dragon. The Great Red Dragon. Is definitely, definitely killing that Jill one. Roberts. Oh my god. So next up, we've got one of our qualifiers going up against Detective Hoffman. That qualify Ooh, John Doe from Seven going up against Mark Hoffman. Um And I like this because they both kind of do a psychological thing. Although well actually. John Doe does a psychological thing to Brad Pitt. I don't think he does a psychological thing to any of the other ones. He just bases all of his murders off of the seven deadly sins. Hoffman was under the tutelage of Jigsaw. And the only reason Hoffman got busted out is because old boy from Gilmore Girls and the rest of the FBI <laughs> people... Uh, actually, no, wasn't he? It, it, old boy from Gilmore Girls busted him out, and then the rest of the FBI people had one of the recordings, and they just like reverse engineered that shit, and you heard his voice. But then he, Hoffman is quick on the draw. That man pulled out his gun and shot them dead real quick. Yes, he did. <laughs> Bro, he he drew down Bro, faster than Jack Shepard. The, the moment that they that like the. <laughs> <laughs> he did. The moment that they heard the voice and you could tell it was Hoffman, they were like, Hua! And he was just like, Gaga! And I was like, honestly? I also think Hoffman is a more physical killer. Like, he yeah. is a cop. I think Kevin Spacey That, that worked get, in the mean streets of Detroit. Would get his ass beat. movies take place. By Costas Mandalore, whoever that Costas is. Costas Mandalore, the true Mandalore. Why has he not been on an episode of The Mandalorian? That is, that is easy marketing right there. Hire me. But yeah, de definitely Detective Mark Hoffman gets the upper hand and beats the dog shit out of John. I was about to call him John Snow. <laughs> and that'd be a different discussion because Jon Snow is, is the, the greatest, greatest swordsman, swordsman the North has ever seen, seen, but he doesn't have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, next up. Oh, this is not going to end well for Amber. <laughs> Number three, Hannibal Lecter versus Amber Freeman. Yeah, that's going to be Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> oh, by He's going to kill her. Then he's going to eat her. Yeah. What dish do you think he would make? Uh... Probably like a dessert dish. I think it would be something like uh, it would be something spicy, like a like a um, like a Thai curry. Yeah, like like he would take the he would take the okay. What what part of the body? What part of the body would he take? I'm thinking like a like a her heart because it's so dark. No, it probably it's probably gonna be like the lungs. And, and the legs. He'd probably take the lungs and the legs. And he'd make like a weird like curry dish out of them. Uh. Yeah. 
but what do you think, bro? What what? So you think like a what like what kind of dessert though? Because like, what desserts can you make with meats? Uh, I don't know. Like there was Maybe one I saw on like sweet brains or some something. Oh, it could be sweet brains or blood pudding. Ugh. Uh, no, I, but yeah, I think he, uh, I think Hannibal wins, he eats her, I think that's pretty, pretty, pretty clear. And it's probably gonna look delicious. <clears throat> Next up, number 11, Mickey Altieri versus, uh, Patrick Bateman. Um, okay. No. I think Patrick Bateman wins, but much like in the the case of, uh, Norman Bates <coughs> and whoever he was against that I've already forgotten. Um, I could see Roman Bridger. I could see Patrick Bateman overlooking Mitch. Mickey? Mickey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Timothy Olive was going to be like, you son of a bitch! <laughs> but, uh, uh, Which would then lead yeah. me to go like, you're listening? <laughs> Appreciate it. I'd be like, simmer down, um, simmer down, Josh. Um, I, th- you know, actually, they've both used guns and they've both used bladed weapons. Mickey's bladed weapon is the standard ghost face knife, though. Patrick was out here with a fire axe. I think it it would start with them just trying to shoot each other. They they'd wound each other a bit, and then they'd go to the bladed weapons. And I think because the axe has a longer reach, Patrick gets the upper hand. Yeah. Also, it's Christian Bale, ain't it? Yeah. So you know, it's Batman. Yeah. We're not taking the Batman thing into into account. And Moses. And Moses. Much like Val Kilmer, who was Batman or Moses. And Gore the God Butcher. Yes. And a magician. Uh, next up... Oh. Oh. Next up, we've got the number seven seed, Joe Goldberg, with ten kills. Ten dubs! If you if we want to take these kills as victories, then ten victories. Going up against number ten, Sweeney Todd, with ten. I'm going to go with Sweeney Todd. Okay, I see where you're going. Because Joe only kills people when he when he has when he to, has to yes. and he doesn't necessarily like it. Fuck, I should have put love on this list. And we also should have put Zayday Williams, the greatest serial killer of our time. There were no confirmed kills. Um, don't think that I didn't think about it. Uh Cause she a, she a stone cold she, hoe. She killed my boy Chad Radwell. Um, no, but, uh, uh, I think Sweeney Todd wins because Joe doesn't try to kill people unless he feels like he has to. Mm-hmm. Sweeney is literally gonna, Sweeney kills people because if Joe happened to walk in for, I guess it depends on the context. But if mm-hmm. Joe walks in for a shave. Sweeney's going to kill him before Joe realizes anything is amiss. The only reason I would see Joe killing Sweeney is if in this universe Sweeney has Joanna. Nah, Sweeney has Joanna and they're a family. 
and Joe falls in love with Joanna. So and in a, a screwed up a screwed up sequel to Sweeney Todd nobody asked for. <laughs> yes. But yeah. keep in mind that Joe is also way smarter. He's smarter, but he would have no reason to kill Sweeney. He'd have no reason to suspect Sweeney Todd was killing people either. Yeah. So he he wouldn't be defensive. That's so like if if Joe thought that if Joe figured out that Sweeney was killing people, and he thought that Sweeney stood in the way between him and Joanna, then yes, I think or Joe if would the, get if the, the shop was right next to his bookshop. Yeah, and he found out that they were just killing folks. And he thought that was going to blow back on him and his yes. crimes. Yes. Then he would kill Sweeney. Yeah, but the likelihood of... There's too many like random coincidences that would have to happen for Joe to kill Sweeney. So I think Sweeney... Whereas Sweeney would just kill, kill Joe him. because Joe showed up. Could figure it out before... Joe, Joe probably would figure it out, but... Only if Joe realized that people were coming up dead. And he would only realize that, like, if Sweeney had been killing people for a while. But even then, I don't think Joe would think that it would fall back on him because Joe is actually very, like, meticulous with his cleanup process. Like, Joe was out here killing people for a while. Like, nobody ever suspected that he killed uh, Peach, or whatever her fucker name was. Like... Joe only gets found out because crazy bullshit happens because you need it to because it's a Netflix show. Because of love. God rest her soul. I love her so much. I could have fixed her. <laughs> I could have fixed her. She would have been happy with me. Um, but uh, I think Sweeney takes this one. Yeah. So who we got next? Next up, uh, Buffalo Bill versus Joe Carroll. Not gonna lie to you, Joe Carroll takes this one. Yeah, opinion. Joe Carroll wins because Joe Carroll got hella followers. He got hella followers. Also, while he's a shit writer, Joe is actually very smart and he would just outsmart Buffalo Bill. Also, Joe is not Buffalo Bill's typical target. Yeah. So there would be no reason for Buffalo Bill to go after Joe Carroll. Agreed. So, next up in the what I assume is the quarterfinals. We got <clears throat> Dexter Morgan versus Norman Bates. Um, it all comes down to whether or not Dexter figures out that Norman is killing people. Otherwise, I think Norman kills him for the same reason he killed the other guy. I'm going to go with Dexter would figure it out because that Dexter's whole M.O. is figuring out people that are serial so killers. If he, yeah, if he and Norman's Norman not out. going to beat Dexter in like an actual fight yeah. because Norman is like, at the end of that series, he's like, what, 22? Yeah, because like, he's, he's going to come up as the great great grandma instead of the great great grandma. <laughs> it ain't going. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, honestly, Dexter might make it to the end. I don't know. Okay, so next up. Oh, this is another good one. Francis Dollarhide, a.k.a. the Tooth Fairy, versus Jigsaw number three, Mark Hoffman. Oh, that's a good one. And keep in mind, I'm going with the Hannibal TV show version of the Red Dragon. So, my greatest fear. Uh, 
I think intelligence-wise, they're pretty even. They come from a very similar background. Hoffman was a, a police officer. I don't know if he had any military time or not. Francis Dollarhide was in the military, though. Um, they're both very good at covering their tracks. I think when it comes to mental capacities, Hoffman is not mentally unstable like Francis. So he's got that going for him. Um, oh, God. This one is... This one is difficult. I think that... Hoffman loses because Bless you. he's not quite depraved enough. Fair. There's some fierce depravity about yes. the TV show version of Francis Dollar. Hunt. Also, with every non-jigsaw kill that Hoffman did, that was more so about survival and not being found out. Hoffman's whole M.O with the exception of when he killed the guy who killed his sister, has been doing what it takes to survive and not be discovered, which is why he had Amanda kill the nurse because he knew that it would wind up with John dying and Amanda dying. And then after that movie, everything else is just clean up at that point. He's trying to tie up every loose end so that he can walk away scot-free, whereas Francis Dollarhide revels in the in the murdering of people. I don't think Hoffman actually liked killing people. It was a, it was a necessity. He was also one of those like loudmouth smart ass cop types. Yeah. So I could see him saying something offensive, calling him the tooth fairy in the papers or something, mm-hmm. and then Francis Dollarhide would have to kidnap him to make him see. And strip him butt naked and and then light him a fire in a wheelchair. Yeah. Oh, God, the flashbacks. Uh, <laughs> next up, uh, Hannibal Lecter versus Patrick Bateman. Okay, yeah, Hannibal. 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 Yeah. He's going to kill him. He's going to eat him. Uh, probably be like a... I don't know. What Bateman's what from New York? Yeah, make a what's a I don't know some fancy fucking pizza or something. Ha. I don't fuck it. Uh, I mean Hannibal would eat a pizza. It would just be a fancy pizza. Next up, we've got fucking Sweeney Todd versus Joe Carroll. Um, honestly, I I'm gonna give this one to Joe Carroll. I don't think Joe Carroll would ever go into Sweeney Todd's shop. No. and Joe I, Carroll strikes me as the type who shaves himself. I think he would sense a fellow pilgrim in Sweeney Todd. Yes. And try to, try to convince Sweeney that he should be a follower and only kill those who Joe says. Or if it's um, season two... He sees that Sweeney and Lovett got a little operation going. And much like he tried to do with the Corbin... Uh, group of fuckers, he would infiltrate and, and you know, placate them and then just kill both of them himself and take over the meat pie shop. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Good for Joe Carroll. He's making it a lot farther than I thought he would. We should have put Michael Ely in this. You know where this too. is headed. He's gonna run into his. He running. Um, he's gonna run into the character he was based on, and he's gonna die. Oh yeah, he running into Hannibal Lecter, and he he not making it out alive. God rest his soul. Uh, next up, we've got, okay, so we're in the semifinals now. We've got Dexter Morgan versus. Uh, oh. Dexter Morgan versus Francis Dollarhide. You know, Dexter's whole thing is finding serial killers. That was also Will Graham's whole thing. And Will Graham barely made it out alive. And I think that Will is better at it than Dexter. Dexter. Yeah. Um, I think Francis Dollarhide wins. Me Not, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me Francis Dollarhide wins. Me yeah. too. I think Dexter figures it out, but he's in over his head. Bar, we headed to Hannibal versus Francis Dollarhide in the finals. And I know who's going to lose that one. Because <laughs> I've seen I've it seen happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next up, we've got... I'm so fearful of skipping something. We've got Hannibal Lecter versus Joe Carroll. Joe Carroll... While an entertaining ripoff of Hannibal Lecter was indeed a ripoff. Yeah. He is And Joe has more kills under his belt, but that is all he But is, we also have to take into account that Joe didn't commit all one hundred murders. Um and Hannibal would psychologically break Joe down. And we've seen that whenever Joe's like mental faculties are tried in any way, shape, or he form, loses he loses it. So, yes, absolutely, Hannibal beats Joe Carroll. He makes a steak and kidney pie. Yes. Honestly, the most fun I'm having with this is figuring out what Hannibal's going to do to... All right. Uh, well, now we're in the... What was that? Okay, so we've got Francois Dollarhide. He's beating everyone. Oh, actually, yeah. So this is the finals. We've got... With Jesus, where did he go? With 18 kills, we've got Francis Dollarhide as the number five seed versus Hannibal, the number three seed, Hannibal Lecter, with 72 kills. Uh, okay, look, if we're talking pure strength wise, Francis Dollarhide, because oh, oh, so. We've already established that we are taking into account that these are the TV versions of these characters. Right. Hannibal only won that fight on the TV show because Will was there to help him. True. However, the way it went in the TV show did... It it was kind of random because... I always think that what would happen in this situation is you have to remember Francis Dollarhide is a huge fan of Hannibal Lecter. Very true. I always assumed that Hannibal would just toy with him and then when Francis showed up to try to meet him, he would just kill him. Mm. And Francis wouldn't see that coming. If it does come to fisticuffs, I think Francis wins. Well, see, I think it comes to fisticuffs, though, because Hannibal, as... Fucked up as he is, Hannibal does operate under like a like a a code of sorts, and I do think that Hannibal would view 
tricking Dollar Hyde there and then just immediately killing him is rude. And Hannibal's whole thing is like, I, he, he abhors rudeness. So, I do think it comes to fisticuffs. And if it comes to fisticuffs, I do think Francis Dollar Hyde beats that version. Honestly, he'd beat the movie version of Hannibal, too. I love Anthony Hopkins. No, yeah. But Ray Fiennes would have fucking dog-walked Hannibal Lecter in those movies. So I think, this is me, I think Francis Dollarhide beats Hannibal just because he's stronger. And I would argue that once we get to the finals of this, it's it's not like a random meetup or anything like that. Like, one's not spying on the other. It's just two serial killers who have been put in a situation where winner take all, they have to kill each other because if the, one, somebody has to kill somebody because if they don't, they're going to die. I don't see, as much as I love Mads Mikkelsen, I do not see Mads' version of Hannibal beating Thorin Oakenshield's version of Francis Dollarhide. Although he can take a terrific beating, as we see him he take can. From Jack Crawford. Jack Crawford twice. beat his ass twice. Although, let's not forget, the only reason he won that fight is because he stabbed Jack Crawford in the neck. Yeah. Jack Crawford was going dog walk <laughs> yeah. that motherfucker straight to the morgue by the time it was all said and done. Hannibal Hannibal wins a lot of those fights because he just so happens to get the upper hand. Also. He even had home field advantage in his house. Well, he also took. He out. had home field advantage in with the fight against Jack and the fight against Francis Dollar. He took Hyde. out. He yeah. and he narrowly won both of them. And he narrowly won uh, against uh, Tobias in season one. That is true. Tobias damn near beat his ass too. Bro, Francis Dollarhide wins this. Like the Tooth Fairy comes out on top. And I'm not going to lie to you, this is the second year in a row I feel like this is an upset victory. I feel like I feel like you're still partially shook from your Great Red Dragon reenactment. Of course I'm partially shook from my reenactment. I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that Hannibal doesn't figure out a way to like jab a piece of glass into his neck or something here. Like, I mean, he might, but I'm just saying... We ha- if we take into account if the fact Hannibal's that he's not able to get something to stab him with or something, then yes, he's going to probably get strangled to death or something. Yes. Well, look, um, I'm taking into account that out of the three fights that we've seen Hannibal have in that show, he beat Tobias, but barely. He beat Jack Crawford only because Jack got stabbed in the neck with a piece of glass. Right. And that only happened because Jack technically, like, threw that motherfucker into some shit. So if Jack hadn't done that, there is no glass to stab him. And then the second time he fought Jack, he only got away because he went out the window. Exactly. So he ran during that fight. And then, like I said, the fight with him and Francis in the finale, he only wins that because Will is there with him. And Will took a big old bite out of Francis's (laughs) neck. There is no Will Graham in this scenario. So I don't see a way based off of like, and let's be honest, I would argue that Francis Dollarhide would beat the dog shadow Tobias. Yeah. And he would probably like, it would be a stalemate with him and Jack. So I don't see Hannibal beating someone who easily like beats or ties with the other two people he lost against without any help. All right, then. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, this year's tournament winner, Francis Dollarhide, the great red dragon the great himself. Red dragon. The greatest 
fictional serial killer, not counting slashers. True. Uh, I feel like we're going to do this for a couple of years and we're going to run out of ideas then we're just going to have a bracket of champions to figure out who the best is. All right, and just in the nick of time, because we got to go, actually. So, uh, you guys know what to do. Like, comment, share, subscribe, tell all your friends. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, friends. Be safe. Make reasonable choices. Um, And we will see you very soon. Uh, Got a lot of exciting stuff coming down the pike, movie-wise. Um, and I'm sure we'll come up with some cool things to talk about. If you have anything you'd like for us to review or comment on, uh, be sure to hit us up at lnjpod at gmail.com. And until next time, keep it tight.